We're in the uh, season of the church year called Easter Tide, and so we still have the uh, pyramids, the vestments that indicate that we are in the Easter season because indeed we are still in the Easter season. And we're moving toward Pentecost, the day of the birth of the church. But in the uh, revised common lectionary, something that was created to help churches around the world be able to uh, explore the same scriptures uh, uh, together, if you will, even though we're in separate places, be looking and studying the same scriptures. In the lectionary, for the next several weeks, most of the readings, in fact all the readings, really come from the Acts. And the uh, readings relate to and refer to uh, things that happened in the early church and descriptions of the early church. So this morning, as we look at Acts, uh, the second chapter, verse 42 through 47, what we're looking at is the early church and a description of some of the things that were significant, that were key to the life of those folks that were part of the early church. So here, these words from the second chapter of Acts, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles, all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That is God's good word about the early church. Uh, the one thing that happens oftentimes in churches, particularly in the United States, when we read these verses, we uh, tend to get stuck on the idea or the description that, that uh, clearly indicates a communal type of living. They had all things in common and they shared with one another and everybody uh, pooled their resources and they were distributed the resources as any had need. And so the reason, one of the reasons we get hung up on that in in the United States is because uh, it sounds uh, uh, contrary to the free enterprise system, that uh, we want to be generous with that which we have earned and that which we have, but we don't want to necessarily pool everything we have and put it in one pot and let somebody else distribute it uh, to those they think have need. Uh, Evidence of how how, uh, troubling that can be to us in the church. I learned the lesson when I was about 10 years old. That was a ways back. I learned it in Sunday school. I had a teacher, Mrs. Beasley, who was a professor of sociology at a small liberal arts college in Atlanta, Georgia, Oglethorpe University. 
And I'm sure all of you have heard of Oglethorpe University. In teaching uh, our Sunday school class, and specifically uh, teaching on, on these verses, she came to the conclusion, which she shared with uh, those of us in the fifth and sixth grade, as, as we would be terribly interested in this, that uh, the Bible was in fact endorsing a form of communism. And she went on to talk about uh, communal living and so on and so forth and the value of being able to share and, and so Well, most of the time, just and it's not really changed, I don't think, over the last 50 or so years, uh, children in Sunday school, uh, hopefully they learn something, but they don't necessarily come home and share what they learned with their parents. But that particular Sunday apparently was an exception for several people in the class because they did go home and share with their parents what they learned. They learned, uh, apparently, that communism was okay. Well, this is 1959 now, and, and as much as uh, we, we would probably still say today communism was not okay, or at least not for us, uh, in 1959, those of you who are old enough to remember, uh, that was not a good thing to say. Uh, and so, rightly or wrongly, Mrs. Beasley it's the only time that I know in my lengthy uh, involvement with the church that this has happened. Mrs. Beasley was fired as Sunday school teacher for that teaching. We get hung up on that particular part of these verses. But in my mind and in my judgment, that's really not what Luke was trying to report to us. Acts is an extension of Luke's gospel. We believe the same person wrote Luke and Acts. And I think what Luke was trying to say, in fact, I'm I'm confident what he was trying to say, is really found in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to their breaking of bread, and to prayer. So, in that gathering in the early church, They devoted themselves to teaching, to learning, to understanding what the message of the church is. So it's not coincidental that Luke chose to put this description right after Peter's sermon, Pentecost sermon, where Peter expounds, where he expands on what the teaching of the church is. That Jesus Christ is Savior. That Jesus Christ is Messiah. That the one that you crucified was in fact the Savior that God sent for us. And so the teaching of the apostles is found uh, immediately, at least part of the teaching, immediately before this description is given. And I think, again, in the church... We are challenged at the point we're good at doing things. But you have to ask yourself, are you devoted to learning what the church teaches? So, in the story of Mary and Martha, in Luke's gospel, and you may remember the story in the 10th chapter, Mary and Martha, Mary, the Martha, the one that's in the kitchen, the person that's in the kitchen, doing what needs to be done. She's cooking uh, food. She's preparing a meal. She's doing things. 
Mary is the one at Jesus' feet, listening to Jesus, learning about what Jesus says. Now, the truth of the matter is we tend to want to divide those two people and like one's, one's good and the other is bad. Uh, part of it is a matter of timing. There is a reason, I heard somebody say this some years ago, a reason that Jesus enjoyed going to Bethany all the time was because he liked Martha's cooking. He wanted to be there. And somebody has to do that. That's part of it. But the church also needs to be about learning. If we're constantly and simply uh, doing things and never asking ourselves why we're doing them, never asking ourselves, testing ourselves, is this something that Jesus would have us be about? If we don't know what Jesus says, if we don't know what Jesus does, if we don't know who Jesus is, how are we going to know if the things we're doing are really what God would want us to do? You have to learn. You have to go to Sunday school, go to Bible studies, be in worship service. Learn what Jesus is teaching, what the church is teaching. So, in the early church, they devoted themselves to that. They devoted themselves to fellowship. It was important for them to be together. Not just so they could all, you know, be having a good time around some fellowship event. It was important for them to be together so that they were encouraging one another. They were helping one another. They were concerned about one another. They shared with one another. As any had need, they were together. They were unified in their purpose. It was important for them to be together. It was important for them to help. Now, Robert Putnam, a fellow, wrote a book uh, some uh, few years ago now uh, called Bowling Alone. And what Putnam said in that book, uh, his, his uh, thesis was that we're living in a, in, a, uh, in a time, in a culture, where we're disconnected from each other. And the, uh, the example that he used, the bowling alone, he said that uh, while there were more people bowling, there were fewer and fewer people bowling together. Fewer and fewer people in bowling leagues. They were disconnected from one another. That we have a hard time, we don't necessarily care about fellowshipping with one another. If you happen to have a garage door opener on, you know, on your, uh, at your uh, house, you have a garage, you can drive into your neighborhood, you can press the garage door opener before you ever get to the house, the door will open to the bat cave, and you can drive in and close the door behind you, and you never have to talk to anybody or see anybody. You can go right on in, you can sit right down in your chair, and you never have to interact with, with anybody. Don't have to know any neighbors. But what the early church said is, it's important that we have community. That we care about each other. That we fellowship with one another. 
that we look for ways to be connected to one another. Another, I think classic, is this happens, has happened in my house, probably has happened in yours. If it hadn't happened in your house, uh, I guarantee you, you've observed it when you've gone out to eat. Maybe you've done it when you've gone out to eat. You've gone out to eat uh, to be with family or to be with your spouse, friends, and the first thing that may happen and probably has happened, somebody gets their phone out of their pocket or out of their pocketbook and they immediately start texting. Or you can look around any restaurant and look down and see people that are connected, but they're connected to their phones and they're ignoring other people that are around the table. So we can be in a group and still be alone and not really fellowshipping. Now, those who are social media experts would say, well, texting, using our phone to connect, that is a way that community, a different way that we're establishing communities. But the problem is we're ignoring the community right in front of us for the sake oftentimes of uh, extended conversation that may or may not have anything to do with the people we're with. Fellowship. The church was devoted to fellowship, to helping each other. And all of us, I think this, I would be safe to say this, all of us enjoy being the helper. Countless numbers of times over the years, I've had people say to me, you know, when they have helped somebody, when they've gone on some kind of a volunteer effort, done something, they'll talk about, you know, I think I got more out of that. I think I, from helping, I think I got more out of that than, than the people I was going to help. It was really good. We enjoy being in the role of helper. It's a position of strength. It, it makes us feel good. But here's grace, the rest of grace, the fullness of grace being able to ask for help, being in a community where, assured, where you're assured that people will respond uh, and be helpful when you need help, and being strong enough to acknowledge your weakness, whatever the weakness is, that you need help that you need prayer, that you need people to be concerned about you, that you need to call on fellowship, on the community, the kingdom community, to help you with that. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, and I'll say more about that at uh, communion time when we get to the table. And finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. They were praying church. They prayed for each other, but they prayed for the greater community that they were in and the greater world that they knew. Now, most of us, I'm going to suggest this to you. I say most of us are, are, are good. We want to pray for each other, but then the impulse is immediately, well, we pray, but now we've got to do something. Now, I want you to listen to that. We prayed, but now we've got to do something. 
Well, didn't you just do something? Isn't prayer something? Isn't it important? Uh, Carmelite nuns down in Indianapolis, they pray around the clock. They're not the only ones that do this, the only place in the world that this happens. They pray round the clock for peace in the world. Are they doing something? Prayer is something. It's an important something. And sometimes, it's, sometimes you may be led through your prayer to called to do something, but sometimes you may be simply called to pray and to be still and to know God and to trust God. The church prayed for each other. They shared all things in common so they knew what to pray for. That's why we have prayer requests uh, each and every Sunday. That's why we have a prayer list on the back of our bulletin. That's why during the course of the week if we find out something in the church office, we send out a elder email and every elder that's on that email list and those that don't have emails or uh, email are called every elder knows what the concern is and every elder is praying as soon as we find out what the concern is prayer is something it is doing something and it's doing something important and finally the uh, the last word that's given in these verses is verse 47 praising God and having goodwill the goodwill of all people uh, and in that circumstance day by day the Lord added to their number so what the early church did and what churches are called to do today is create a kingdom community be the kingdom community that God has called us to be in Jesus Christ so that when the world and those beyond the sanctuary walls know and experience the grace that's part of the church they'll see something that they need they'll see something that, uh, that God can do in their life because they can see people that, that, uh, that are people that, are, that represent or have God in their life, a God that is doing something in their life. And the world desperately needs to see that. They see, need to see kingdom communities. People who care about each other and care about, about more than just each other each other but care about what's going on around them. They need to see that and they need to see people who know why they are called to care. They know what Christ teaches. They know what, what Christ has come for and who Christ has come for. The world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And as the church, as the kingdom community, we're called to reflect that light, Christ's light, in the world. Through everything that we do, through everything that we say, and through everything that we are.
Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy, and for your love. And God, we pray that we might uh, be the kingdom community that, that you've called the church to be. Lord, we thank you for the way we do care about each other. And we thank you for the way that we care about the things that are going on around us. So God, strengthen us uh, daily for that task. And help us to know and, and help us to embrace the great gift of community that is the church. For it's in Christ's name. Amen.